Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here. Still a little bit under the weather, but I think I can talk for a couple hours here tonight, which I hope so, because we're here with you for two full hours, talking about the paranormal as we do each and every week. With me is the silent assassin, Matt Costa, who was not so silent last week. I know. Have you, have you caught my cold yet? The super cold? Not yet. But this is crazy stuff. I, I don't know. I think it's kind of coincidental that we both get sick and Moniz's in here. Like maybe he was tainting the studio and then he left for Atlantic City. Hey, I just got over my own cold. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but you got over it quick. Because I'm not crazy enough to take medication to make it prolong itself. Says the man who tests pharmaceuticals for a living. (laughs) (laughs) Hence why I know. (laughs) Well, thanks for the heads up. But uh, you were in Atlantic City last week for the uh, the UFO conference in New Jersey, MUFON conference down there. How'd that go? That was specific. Uh, The... Organizer Jackie, she did a wonderful job. Great lineup. She had lots of good people there. Uh, I made some good contacts, saw some old friends. You know, it, it was fun. And we got plenty of people that are interested in coming on Spooky South Coast in the coming months, so we'll have a full slate of UFO-related guests. For, for everyone that thinks that we don't talk enough about UFOs, uh, Matt Moniz is one of those people. No, I don't think we talk enough about cryptozoology. Well, th- that we'll definitely talk about more as well. Uh, but tonight we're going to talk about a whole slew of of different things. Uh, we've, we've got probably uh, a show that's going to go in 40 different directions, but that's okay because that's how we like it here at Spooky South Coast because, you know, we have ADD. So <laughs> it just works if the show has it too. But uh, joining us right now on the line is the godfather of the paranormal. Uh, if you follow the paranormal field at all, you're very familiar with his work. Uh, he's the nephew of famed demonologist Ed Lorraine Warren. And uh, he's a first-rate, world-class investigator in his own right. He is John Zaffis, and he joins us right now. How are you tonight, John? Doing good. How you guys doing? Oh, spooktacular, as we say here. <laughs> so uh, you've been all over the place the last couple of months, I see, from your calendar of events on your website. I, I don't even know what it's like to be home. <laughs> well, you were voted uh, the, the top college speaker. Yes. And, and how many colleges would you say you speak at in the course of a year? Um, probably... This past year, I hit 62. Wow. And and are we talking, you know, some major universities, a lot of the smaller schools? Uh, but actually, both. It's actually, he- both. A lot of major uh, campuses and a lot of the smaller campuses. I do both anything and everywhere that wants me, I'm there. <laughs> well, that's because you're also the nicest guy in the paranormal, too. So I can't imagine that you can say no if you can fit it into your schedule, you know? Nope. Uh, I enjoy doing it. I enjoy speaking on the topic. I enjoy talking about a lot of the things I've learned over the years to be able to share some of that information. And, you know, sometimes that helps other people out. Uh, A lot of campuses have paranormal groups these days, so it helps them, and I get to intermingle with them and help them out. So that's what counts. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I mean, who is it that organizes these events that bring you in? Is it, you know, is it 
groups on campus, uh, investigators on campus? Is it certain, you know, uh, certain concentrations within like sociology or psychology? Mm, uh, no, actually, it, it, it could be all of the above, actually. Because mm-hmm. I know, you know, uh, when I went to college, it was there was a group that would put together the speakers and. You know, they would basically go around to some of the other academic departments and say, what do you suggest, who, who should we look for? So the fact that, you know, some of these investigators are taking advantage of the campus life and, and bringing in speakers that way is, because you know, you're not going to get another chance like that again if you're in college, you know, to, to have access to those type of facilities and to, you know, be able to bring in that type of an audience for a speaker. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of different committees, a lot of different organizations that, uh, can and do pull together to sponsor uh, me coming onto their campuses. And speaking of which, you're going to be uh, coming to Cape Cod Community College next Absolutely. Friday night. Absolutely. Yep. And Looking forward to it. And this is the first time you've come to speak with Capers? Is... Absolutely. Yep. My very first time, and I'm looking forward to it. Have you been to the Cape before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you know about the rich uh, paranormal history that Derek and his group uh, explore every week. They're actually out in the field tonight, actually. Cool. There, hopefully, Derek will check in with us a little bit later on. But, uh, and of course, you're one of the most known things that you're, you're involved with uh, with the Paranormal Research Society of New England is your John Zaffis collection, the haunted museum that you have there. And you're going to be talking about a number of those items uh, when you come on Friday night. You're not bringing any of them, are you? No, I won't uh, be having any of them with me. Unfortunately, I'll just be flying back in from the West Coast and heading up to the Cape, so I'm really not going to have too much time in between there. So I don't need to get myself blessed before I go in there. <laughs> <laughs> but I will be talking about uh, several of the most prominent items from within the museum with uh, uh, fantastic stories that intertwine with them, human spirit, uh, demonic type situations. I cover quite a few different things to give people uh, some knowledge and to share some of the stories, how some of these things coming to play with uh, having energy attached to them. And it seems like we're hearing more and more, maybe it's because of the, the proliferation of websites like eBay, and, but we're hearing more and more about spirits being attached to items. Is this something that you think has been long going, or do you think that for some reason or another, you know, there seems to be more spirits attaching themselves onto objects these days? I think it's something that's really always been there. I don't really think that we're seeing an escalation of it. But, you know, a lot of times people don't pay attention to it or they would never mm-hmm. talk about it. They would just get rid of the item or, you know, ship it off to me or <laughs> what have you. But um, I think people more so today are willing to talk about it and talk about the haunted item because they don't feel that everybody thinks they're nuts if they are now. Well, I think, and, and you can let me know if you disagree, but I think that a lot of what has to do with it now is the way that investigators go about you know, proving paranormal phenomena. So if there's something going on and you call in an investigator because now, like you said, it's, you're able to talk about it more, then that investigator can start to deduce that it's it's the item that's actually haunted. So whereas before, you know, people might have said, I have a ghost in my house, and they might not have been able to pinpoint where it was coming from. Right. That's true. Very true. I mean, a lot of times when we get involved with these cases, you know, we can go back and forth several times, investigate it several times to try and come to a conclusion or figure out what the source is that actually triggered things. But still, you must walk into some of these investigations, and you know when you walk in and see this, you know, little demonic type sculpture on the mantelpiece, and you say, "I'm pretty sure something might be attached to that." No, not necessarily. Not think- necessarily, because a lot of people, you know, 
especially with the uh, goth and the way people are with different things, doesn't always necessarily mean that it's something negative or demonic because they all have a lot of those different things around in their house. No, but um, usually if things like that are used in rituals and things like that, then you're opt to have something that might have energy attached to it. That's true, too. I mean, I guess you could walk into a house and see something and, you know, you don't know if it comes from some ancient Sumerian culture or if they bought it at Hot Topic. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've been in, been in homes where it's completely goth and these people don't even believe in ghosts, so. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like, you know, everybody remembers, everybody that's watched Unsolved Mysteries remembers your appearances there and, you know, you were one of the first people I can remember growing up talking about this on television and, of course, uh, your aunt and uncle before you, but it seems like nowadays, every time you turn on the TV, there's some sort of show on some channel talking about ghosts. And What's your experience being out there in the field as being one of these trusted investigators for a long time and seeing you know, all these shows and all these groups popping up? Well, I think it's brought, uh, brought a lot to the forefront. I think it's opened up a lot. I think it's making people think in regards to uh, different experiences and different things that could have happened to them or why certain things are happening. I mean, here in the U.S., it was such a secretive thing. People didn't like to talk about it. But over the past two years, things have opened up so much that it's something I, I, I never thought I'd ever see it. Never thought I'd see to what the amount of investigations are today, the paranormal groups out there, the interest. Um, it's phenomenal compared to just two years ago. And, of course, we're getting some groundbreaking research out of it as well, uh, especially the story that I read in a, in a U.K. paper uh, earlier today where apparently, I don't know if you know this or not, but when it's dark and our eyes uh, can't adjust to the darkness, sometimes we see things in the dark, which this was groundbreaking when I read it. I was like, really? I haven't heard of that before, that, you know, you, you might accidentally see things in the dark that aren't there. Thanks for that news, Brit British newspaper. Well, that, that, that's enlightening. <laughs> it just seems like, you know, this, as the paranormal is becoming a popular genre and there's, there's play for it in newspapers now, you know, they're, they're jumping on stories that people that are involved in the field say, uh, yeah, we know all about that. Mm -hmm. Well, we, you know, from, from a scientific approach, I mean, the advances that just been made over the past three or four years is phenomenal. I mean, with documenting things, your temperature t changes and... You know, our four-way split cameras in the room, the infrared, it, it, it's just, it, it's phenomenal. And some of the evidence that is actually being caught in some of these areas, we would have never had that before. But today, it's more documented, there, there's more evidence coming out into the forefront than I've ever seen before. Yeah, and it's interesting when you look at some of these devices uh, that people are using, you know, 100 years ago, 50 years ago, 25 years ago, people were putting into use, you know, devices and machines invented for other purposes and kind of adapting those to the paranormal. But now we're seeing a whole slew of products coming out just for the purpose of ghost research. Absolutely. I mean, and I'm sure you've worked with a number of them. I know, I know you've had some interesting experiences with Frank's box. Yes. Um, there's been at least 19 times that I've been in the, um, the president of the uh, box there, and there's been some phenomenal things that have come through on there with the uh, spirit communications with a positive perspective of it and also on the negative perspective i think there's a lot of research being done i i think it's a phenomenal thing and it's something to take a look at and get an understanding of some of the perspectives and some of the ways 
that this tool is like every other tool out there. So I keep an open mind when I deal with anything within the paranormal realm because we have to. If you don't, you don't grow. You don't gain any knowledge. So I think it's very important to stay open-minded when dealing with any new piece of equipment. It's, it's funny because uh, when I mentioned Frank's box, Matt Moniz is correcting me saying, telephone to the dead. That's copyright Chris Moon. <laughs> telephone to the dead. Fra- I'm well, using Frank's box as the generic term. I know. Right right now I know that there's, there's several different versions and um, several different uh, perspectives of these boxes as everybody refers to it. But, um, you know, like I said, I've been in the company of uh, Chris Moon at least 19 times. Um and been involved when he's done some investigations, and he was able to bring some information forth that we're able to help the people. Have, have you used the box outside of Chris? Have you used it independently on your own or with other researchers? No. No, I've been around where three other boxes have been used. Um, I can't tell you whose is what or where's, but mm-hmm. who's, what's box, but no pun intended there. But, you know, it, there was information that was coming through, Um here again, I saw the same type of results with this where there was positive information coming through and there was some uh, negative information coming through. Because I think when Chris is there and, and Chris is running these events where he uses the box and these investigations he does, you kind of have that built-in buffer uh, of having Chris there as the the main tool that they're communicating with. Um, so if something negative does come through, I mean, it's it's kind of Chris's you know, the last line of defense before it gets to anybody else in the room. But being a demonologist, you must also see the potential for, for disaster with some of these boxes if, if people are getting them and using them in their homes on a frequent basis. Well, I, here again, now you, you know, you could take this right across the board with any piece of equipment and doing anything. If you're going to take a situation, you know, it, it's just like with EVPs, I, I, I think, you know, if you you got a haunting going on or there, there's different things going on or you're trying to, you know, capture the spirits and people are provoking things, you know, you're going to amplify some of the activity that's going to occur. So here again, you know, my philosophy is with all of our equipment, no matter what it is out there, we have to use this within constraints, if you will. And you have to be guarded when you're doing different things and... You know, psychic photography, EVPs, all of these different things, spirit communications, provoking, all of these fall into the same category where I think things have to be guarded into the perspective and how we're using them and how we're going about it. I mean, I liken it to it's a door without a window, so I mean, when you open it, you can't really see who's on the other side. No, you can't. And that's one of the, you know, things that we're all searching and we're trying to be able to prove out. We want that documentation on exactly what is there, what are we exactly, I mean, we all know we're dealing with energy. And we know we're dealing with an energy that has, you know, intelligence to it. Because it can do different things, it can manipulate different things. So how does this energy gain this intelligence to it and can manifest at different times or use that energy to manipulate different things, manipulate people? These are the, the million-dollar questions, I think, that we're all searching for and we're all, you know, looking at. And when all these energies start to combine and when you have a, a tremendous amount of a buildup with a, a negative case or a positive case, these are the things that are intriguing and these are the things that I still question, I still investigate to this day. You know, and it's interesting because 
a lot of people have said to me, hey, you know, you, you talk about ghosts on the on the show every week, and you, know, you talk about all these investigations that you hear about, but it seems like, you know, ghosts and hauntings are exploding huge, but how come we're not hearing about more cases uh, of the demonic? And I'm not sure that that's necessarily true, because first of all, it's kind of like, I'm, I'm a sports writer by trade, so, you know, 20 years ago, sports medicine wasn't something that people talked about, but once it became more of a specialization, Within the field of, of medicine, we heard more about sports medicine. I think now that more and more people are specializing in demonology, we're actually hearing more about it. But are the cases of the demonic on the rise? Is there, is there, as more people are trying to make contact with the spirit world, are we getting more of these negative entities trying to come through? Absolutely. There, over the past, here again, past year alone, the increase on worldwide with what we're dealing with, what we're trying to handle and be involved with as far as dealing. You know, when you, when you say the word demonic, it doesn't always necessarily mean possession mm-hmm. because you can have uh, locations, you can have homes that can have, you know, negative or demonic, whatever you want to call it. There's so many terms today that, that can affect these types of situations, but it doesn't necessarily mean the person is a possessed person, but they can be influenced by what is occurring in their home. So the increase is astronomical at this point in time. Over the past two weeks, I've been involved with at least at least 20 cases where we've been dealing with different things that aren't necessarily possession, but they are things that people have opened up doors, people have gotten involved with things, and it had the influences, and they had a lot of negative influences that were causing problems within their homes but even on the idea of possession even if we're not seeing more of an increase in that per se there's got to be something that has the catholic church worried because you know now they're training more exorcists and there's you know more uh, exorcisms being granted in europe we had a story a couple of weeks ago where we talked about you know there's it's kind of on the rise over in europe it, it's on the rise everywhere it's it's just not there there is a very general concern I shouldn't really say general, but yes, there is a concern. And it's, it's just not with the Roman Catholic Church. It's with quite a few of the religions, because I intermingle with a lot of them. Yeah. So there has, you know, many of them I've integrated with over the course of the past 20 years are all saying the same thing. The influx that they're getting from parishioners on different things that are occurring and happening is on the rise like most of us cannot even believe today. And it, it just seems to me, too, that if this negativity does continue to grow, uh, a lot of people will say, you know, I, I don't know, I don't want to single out clergy and say clergy in particular, but, you know, they, they tell us that when evil is on the rise and, you know, we have to band together and fight against this. And I think that that's what we're seeing in the community is we're seeing more and more investigators say, hey, you know, we're not going to put up with this demonic stuff. We, we're interested in it. We want to see that it's happening. We want to be able to catalog it, but let's make sure we get rid of it and get it out the door, too. Mm-hmm. Well, they, that's where you got to be careful, too, and that's where it gets very dangerous. Um, unfortunately, today, with the rise in the demonology interest, we have uh, people out there investigating, getting involved with these negative-type cases and getting themselves into some major jams. So I deal with a lot of paranormal investigators that, you know, the consensus with a lot of people in the field is demonic doesn't exist. Demons and devils and deities, all these things don't exist until they get involved and they open up the doors and they start dealing 
with this and they realize what some of the repercussions are and what is happening with them. So, you know, like I said, the, the increase in the interest in demonology has exploded over the past year. I mean, absolutely. If you look at any, you know, paranormal group's website, you know, the way it seems to be now is there's somebody who's in charge of their demonology department, and it's somebody who, you know, chances are if you haven't had contact with them, then they're probably not, you know, educated enough to be getting into this demonology aspect of things. What do you think that somebody needs to do to actually prepare themselves to be a demonologist? <coughs> Excuse me, I'm fighting a cold. Um a key factor with that is try to tie in with people that have been involved with the demonology. I studied quite a bit in depth on this subject before I even ventured into dealing with demonic cases. If you have that um, access to uh, clergy members, I don't care what the religious base is, that's a very key factor with learning how to understand some of these things because you can't learn it from a book. You have to, you know get the basics under your belt before you can venture into that and then once you do then you start to realize things and there are several demonologists out there just within the united states that have been in our field for you know quite a few years that all of us work together we all talk we all know what's happening with each other so there there's several people out there that you know whenever groups intermingle with them and they tie in with them i know their credentials I know what they can do, and I know the information that they're offering to other uh, paranormal investigators out there is the correct information. And, and let's face it, too. I mean, if, if there is a demonic realm that exists in, you know, in the realm of hell and they can be assigned names and roles and you know, all this information that we've been given, then you might be going up against something that you've never heard of, but another one of these demonologists has battled in the past. So that networking just makes your ability against them stronger. Absolutely, and that this is a very common thing. Um, when dealing with this, many times I'm on the phone with uh, my protégés, and we go back and forth, and we'll discuss different things that are occurring with cases, um, different names that could pop up, and we check to see if any of us had any type of um, research done. Do we know what it's integrated with? Do we know what its main mission is? You, it, this is a whole networking that does go on, and it has gone on. It's just something that we all just don't come to the forefront and talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. We try to promote, as many other shows do, we try to promote paranormal unity as much as we can in the paranormal community. And the way things are these days, I mean, everybody thinks they're going to get a TV show or a radio show because they have a, an investigative <laughs> group. It, it's just it's just how it is right now. So they're, they're not as likely to work with each other as they should be. But if you're going to get into the demonology field, I, I could never imagine, you know, saying I'm the demonologist for my group and my group doesn't work with another group and we do everything. You know, that's just saying I, I can go up against the, the minions of hell all by myself. Well, look at it. You know, for many years I was in the field. And even to this day, first of most force, I'm a paranormal investigator. Mm -hmm. Then I'm a demonologist. Why? Because that's just one part of what we do. And that's just one part that we get involved with. Unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know which way to look at it sometimes, my path took me down that area where I got involved with more of the negative cases. And today I deal more with that than I ever did before. And, I'll, uh, you know, 
a tremendous amount of the people that I network out there. Adam Bly, Keith Johnson, uh, Andy Calder. I mean, these are just a few of the uh, people that are out in the more forefront that integrate with this and deal with this. I mean, it's, you know, in, in, it's just something that, you know, you just step back and look at. I, and, it, and I chuckle about this. Five years ago, I used to have the word demonology on my website. I had to remove it because I got so many complaints about it being on there. Today, people if, I had that, if I had demonology on the front of my website, it would be the coolest thing going. That's true. And, you know, it, it is something you take a step back and you look at that. I remember for the longest period of time, and I used to call it, you know, the New England Society of Paranormal Research and Demonology. I had to literally remove that. I think maybe because once the movie Constantine came out, then everybody's like, oh, that's cool. You know, you get to be the guy from the Matrix going around hunting demons. <laughs> you got a good point. <laughs> yeah, it's just, but that's what it's become. You know, it's become as as it's everything become romanticized. Exactly, exactly. As as more people get involved into a field that you once thought that you were one of the few people involved in, you know, as it becomes more popular, you need to find that niche to to stay. I'm, I mean, I'm making generalizations about people's character that I've never even met, but. It just seems that way. It seems like they're just trying to keep specializing more and more, which maybe that's just the natural process of being an investigator. You want to focus on what your strengths or interests are. Well, you're dealing with with a, a budding, quote-unquote, science, and science will fractionate itself into these little subcategories, yes. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think the main point of what you're hitting on is people are starting to romanticize being into the demonology aspect of one, one part of this whole grand phenomena. Would you not agree? I definitely agree with that. All right, well, why don't we take a break right now. When we come back on the other side, we'll take your calls. If you have any questions for John Zaffis, the godfather of the paranormal, you can check out his website, johnzaffis.com. Uh, you can also go to his prsne.com. That's it. Okay. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk some more with John, and you can call in at 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with the silent assassin Matt Costa, science advisor Matt Moniz, and we are talking to John Zaffis. Uh, go to his website, johnzaffis.com, to find out a lot of his upcoming events. But uh, another one that you have coming up, John, is uh, March 15th. You'll be joining Kristen Gartland at her Paranormal 101 class at the Houghton Mansion. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. Uh, Chris is a riot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I've had the opportunity of uh, doing um, um, one of the show prior to this with her, um, Hoping we're, we're trying this with the um, workshop type environment to have um, presenting from the good perspective and from the negative perspective because I'm getting bombarded with people wanting me to just do workshops all over the place now just on Demonology 101. Mm -hmm. So I think this was a very good adventure um, and it's something that I'm looking forward to because I'm hoping people can walk away with a little bit better understanding on uh, what the heck all this garbage is that us demonologists get involved with. Uh, I probably might meet you guys out there. Sounds great. Well, actually, I have 
investigated the uh, Houghton Mansion out there with you before, with Jason and Grant, actually. Oh, okay. All righty. Yeah. So it's definitely an active place from, from what I hear. Yeah, there, there's a lot of activity in there. There's, there's no doubt in my mind about that. Because uh, we, we, Matt Moniz and I uh, took part in uh, a couple of Paranormal 101s with Kristen, and we did one in Fall River uh, nearby where we are now, and it was an old, arm, an old uh, police athletic hall building, and there probably wasn't enough stuff going on while we were there. There wasn't a whole lot of activity, but I'm pretty sure, you know, if, if there was, we probably made it quite angry. Yeah. We were wrestling around, and they had a wrestling ring on the third floor, and... You know, we were doing everything except what we were supposed to be doing. So I'm sure at the uh, Houghton Mansion there will be plenty of activity to keep you guys busy and, and keep you uh, entertained. I, I don't know if they wrestle there, but <laughs> Chris, Kristen might. She, she might kick my ass for saying that. Uh, yeah. So, but uh, if, if people want to get involved with that and they want to uh, purchase tickets, they are $85. Uh, you can go to idealeventmanage.com. And, of course, John will have a link up on his site, and Kristen has one up on her MySpace, and the TAPS website has one up as well. So they definitely make sure uh, that they give you, at least in, in Kristen's portion of the class, I mean, she covers soup to nuts of how to even start an investigative team, how to get off the ground, how to conduct interviews, what kind of background checks to do. So to be able to add in the demonology aspect of it, I mean, it's, it's, it's like a one-stop shop for everything you need to know to get a basic idea of, of how to go about doing it. It should be it should be a, a fantastic event. And another event that you're going to be at, speaking of, of TAPS, is the TAPSCon. Absolutely, yes. And I, I just got a feeling, you know, Robert the Doll is going to uh, grab your interest while you're down there. Have you have you ever seen Robert the Doll before? I have not. I, I have not physically ever seen him, but I'm looking forward to it because, man, oh, man, that story about Robert has been around for more years than I don't know what. So I'm kind of looking forward to it, but... I will have a couple of the items on display down there at the TAPSCon from the Paranormal Museum. And um, I'm just going to have to keep uh, Robert separate from uh, the things I bring down because I don't want them all starting a big fight down there. Yeah, you don't want them all trying to play together. <laughs> well, well, Robert's going to be sitting by me in, anyway. So. Yeah, Matt Moniz has already volunteered to share a room with Robert. He wants to sleep <laughs> in the bed with him. Oh. <laughs> right, I think we have a call here for you, John. Let's, let's go to the phones. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How you doing? How you doing, guys? All right. You have, um, you have a question for yeah, John? Yeah, actually, you guys probably remember me. I was down there. Uh, I used to spend an evening with you guys in the Warwick room over at the, the uh, over by the airport for uh, Para X. Oh yes, right. yes. Yeah, this is Dave from uh, the WWPRC guys. Hey, Dave, how you doing? Good. How you guys doing? Very well. How you doing, John? Doing good, buddy. That's awesome. I had a really good question, John. Um, you know, with all of the the people that are out there now in the field that are getting into investigation and everything else, you know, no one really, I think, takes a, the time to stop and think about the implications of what would happen if we found some answers, you know. Um, would would the community at large be prepared to deal with something like that if all of a sudden somebody said, well, well I've got something here? You mean as far as actually being able to prove something out scientifically? Exactly. I, I, if somebody does that and they can prove something you know, that we're not already aware of, you tell them to call me and I'll scream from the rooftops. <laughs> but I, I think I see what you mean, though, Dave, where because everybody's gotten into this now and everybody seems to be following their path, it, what's it going to take to get people to buy into it right away? I mean, if, if you came out with the best evidence in the world, you know, 65% of other investigators are still going to say you faked it or it's, 
You know, it's not good evidence. You know what I mean? Is that is exactly. that what you're trying to say? Yeah, yeah, and you, you do see a lot of that now. Some of that stuff is just too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Especially when you, when you hear, we're always going to have that in our field, no matter what we do. I mean, let, let's face it. No matter what the case is, what show it's been on, everybody tries to debunk everything. Which is the way it should be. And, well, to a point. Mm-hmm. Always remember, too, that you never rule out your spiritual end of this. Okay? You, you have to remember, if we can't walk away with an EVP or a picture or, you know, some type of evidence, it doesn't mean that somebody doesn't have something paranormal basically happening. So, you know, that's something I'm a big stickler on. Just because I can't, my group or myself can't walk away with something doesn't mean that there might be something going on paranormal-wise. But the whole thing is, when you're scrutinizing or you're looking at things, yes, we have to, because there's too much crap going on now with everybody faking stuff. So you, you have to be extremely guarded. But I think if you're able to prove out something uh, from a scientific approach, and you can repeat that. That's phenomenal. And if we could ever make a major breakthrough with certain things and, and be able to prove certain elements of what happens within the paranormal realm, guys, I'll go on the top of the highest building and scream it for you. Awesome. And then people will listen. People will listen to that. Yeah. Well, it was good to, to find out about the thing up at the Houghton Mansion, too, because I hadn't heard about any of the new stuff that was coming out, you know, the trips and stuff like that. So I'm actually going to check into my finances and see if that's going to be something that I can do because I really wanted to get out there for some time. We highly recommend it. I mean, not only do you get to meet John and, and learn demonology, but, you know, you can hang out with Kristen, which is, you know, that'll give you stories for days and days. <laughs> not to mention, it's a great place to investigate. The building itself is quite fascinating with an excellent history. I'm really glad to hear that they're doing stuff there again, too, because I had heard that they had stopped for a while. Well, they have a, there's a resident paranormal group that, that's kind of like their... Um, and those, those guys are phenomenal. The Berkshire great Paranormal guys. Group, yeah. yeah. The, the guys are great. So, I mean, they've got ongoing investigations there all the time. So, yeah. at least they're, they're documenting the activity. So, even if you go and, you know, and things happen, they'll be able to tell you, you know, two months from now if it's still going on, if it's intensified. It's not like these some of these trips where you go to these locations and then, you know, you don't go back for another six months or nobody knows what's been going on. It's an ongoing process. Well, the yeah. thing is, the Berkshire guys are Freemasons, which is the building is. It's a Freemason hall. And they're also ghost hunters. So they're in there for two respects. So they know when there's events happening because they're always there. There you go. Well, thanks a lot, guys. And, uh, John, by the way, I also want to say I was really sorry to hear about Ed. Um, was it God? Almost two years ago now, wasn't it? Yeah, um, he passed away a few years ago, and it was, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tragedy. I, I missed him even when he was collapsed, and he was down for a while. And, you know, but um, I take it and switch it around now and look at it from the perspective. Man, oh, man, I never realized what exposure I had hanging around with him yeah. and learning from him. And that's something that that man will always get my 150 percent respect from was his knowledge base i've never met anybody to this day that knew what that guy knew all right thanks dave thanks for checking in yeah thanks a lot guys have a good one stay in touch we have another call lined up already john good evening around spooky south coast how you doing oh spooky south coast yes i want i want to ask uh what's his face there 
John Zappas? Um, I want to ask, I want to ask uh, John Zappas something. Sure. I want to ask him if he's ever been to the Lizzie Born and Inn in Fall River. Absolutely. I've been there at least several different times. Leanna, is a, she's a beautiful person. Um, that place has more activity than I don't know what. Um, I've seen EVPs and psychic photographs come out of the Lizzie Borden like that's, I can't believe. That's not right, man. That's just kind of creepy. <laughs> it is. It definitely is. Uh, I don't know, John, if you've seen on, on our website, SpookySouthCoast.com, we actually have some, some yeah, camera that's footage. How I got, that's there. how I got the uh, radio, Spooky South Coast. There you go. There you go. All right, well, thanks for checking in. Right, and I want I want to ask him one more thing. Sure. What religion is John Zappas? Just out of curiosity. What? What was the question? It's kind of a personal question, but he he wanted to know what uh, religion your your background is in, John. Oh, I'm Roman Catholic. I I just want to know what his general religion is. My religion is Roman Catholic. Your religion is Roman Catholic. Yes. Uh. I, I thought something like you'd be a witch or something, like because you're talking about dragonology and whatnot. No offense. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for checking in. All right, have a good right, one. You too. I know it's past my bedtime, but I guess it's not past this. From the, from the mouths of babes. Absolutely, oh. but the fact that, you know, you can get people that are young age and that are interested in this and not afraid of it is, to me, that's fundamental for the ongoing process of uh, investigating the paranormal. Well, you know, I do high schools, and, I, and I've done a couple of grammar schools and Cub Scouts and things like this. And their knowledge base today blows me out of the water. I mean, I have young kids that walk up to me and start talking about topics, and I just stand there and I look at them, and it, it, it's amazing. It's amazing, but that's a good thing. Absolutely. Because they don't have that fear factor like we all did when we were growing up. Now, now about Lizzie Borden, uh, from what I understand, I, I haven't been there the same time as you yet, but from what I understand, the, the spirits that are in the house, they're not really fond of you either. <laughs> they don't like me, so uh, I'm glad that there's somebody else that uh, they kind of beat up on when they're there. Well, you know, here again, I'll talk about this story, and I haven't. We were there. Um, it was a Chris Moon event. I had gone up one time, and I went to sleep in the bedroom that's all the way up on the third floor, the real big one. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I was camped <laughs> out in there. Huh? We're, Matt's just laughing because of all the activity we've been documenting in that room. Okay. You know, went to sleep and everything, and I thought I just had this crazy dream, you know, they not thinking too much about it, and I was getting punched, and these crazy things were happening and everything, and, you know, I woke up and, and at that point in time and everything, because I very seldomly remember my dreams. So I was like, oh, man, that was an intense dream. Didn't think anything of it. <clears throat> went to go take a shower in the morning, and when I took my shirt off, I had three big red marks on my back. So I was like, okay, that wasn't a dream. No. <laughs> so, you know, is the activity pretty intense within there? And are you almost going to walk away with something out of spending an overnighter in the Lizzie Borden house? Absolutely. I mean, we've had, I, I've wrestled something I couldn't see. Uh, we've had numerous instances of people having their legs lifted up off the bed when asked. Um uh, Matt had a, he captured video of a camera being moved and twice, just, uh, just all kinds of stuff that's been going on there. And it's, I don't know uh, when you come up next weekend, uh, how much time you're going to have up here, but maybe we can uh, sneak in there for a little while. Sounds cool. If we got the time, I'm there, buddy. Yeah, I got the key. <laughs> yeah. Moniz has a key, so we're all set. <laughs> I don't know what Leanne was thinking. <laughs>
But that's kind of like, we're kind of like the Berkshire Paranormal Group of, you know, like what they are with the Houghton. We're kind of like that with Lizzie Borden. I mean, we're, we're in the process of, especially Matt, uh, whenever anybody comes up for an investigation, you know, they always want to have Matt go over there and work with them because he's just, he's seen it all there so far. Absolutely. Phone lines are lit up here, John. Uh, they're ringing off the hook. Let's go. Well, I hope uh, Leanne's listening tonight because she's a sweetheart. She loves the show, so hopefully she is. Although I'm kind of thinking on a Saturday night she's got better things to do. She'll listen to the podcast later. Cool. She's probably taking care of guests right now. Oh, okay. Let's go. To the, let's go to the next one. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How you doing? Good. How you doing, Tim? All right. You were talking about one of my favorite places. Absolutely. To investigate with you guys. Absolutely. How Luann, are you? Luann from Whaling City Ghost. You're on with John Zaffis. Hi, John. How are you? Good. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. You were hitting on Lizzie Borden, were you guys? Yes, oh, yeah. we were. <laughs> That's one of my favorite places to go to. Yep, yep. One of my favorite places, too. One of my favorite ghosts. Well, Can't you can't say I like the other things in the house, but I do like Lizzie. You've kind of made a connection with Lizzie when you're there, though. You, you, you feel as though that you've made some sort of you know, connection with her spirit. Um, well, you got, you kind of can't help but connect with, with these souls, can you really, when you go in and investigate? I mean, you know, I, I do personally feel for them. How can you not feel bad for her? I mean, John, when you've been there, I mean, have you kind of made any determinations as to what spirits you, you're dealing with? or? I definitely, definitely uh, Mr. Borden. I think uh, Lizzie and her sister... There's no doubt, and also, I, I'm sorry, I just can't remember the brother-in-law's name. Oh, uh, I know who you're talking about. Oh, John, uh, John, John Morse. Morse. John Morse, yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. Um, you think I'd be writing a book about it or something. <laughs> yeah, but um, there, there have been established communications. You know, um, like I said, that when I've been there, I've seen some phenomenal stuff. And some information uh, come through with, um, I don't know, what does Chris call his box? The Telephone to the Dead. Okay, the, te the Telephone to the Dead. And also, when um, other researchers and different groups and even um, researchers that work with me, some of the EVPs that they've gotten out of the Lizzie Borden house have been phenomenal. I agree. You're talking she's, to one that's captured some of the best ones I've heard. Yeah, she's definitely gotten some of the best I've ever heard, period, yes. And you know, my favorite part about him, John, is they're directly talking Aimed to me yeah. with very not nice language. <laughs> I'd say not. They don't like you, Tim. I have to agree with that. When you said that, I said, oh, yeah. That's okay, though. If they want to beat on John's office, too, then I'm in good company. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was actually surprised about that dream John talked about because I've kind of woken up with similar things happening to me. In your own home? I do keep a photo record of everything, too. Are you talking from Lizzie's house, right? Um, no, actually, like, dreamlike oh. things that happen. There's been a lot of different episodes of that. I, I do have a photo record of the scarring and stuff. I know your back is a hard thing to take a picture of, though, John. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If you go on MySpace, they'll show you how you do all the different angles for photographs. Well, <laughs> I use a mirror, too, if I have to. There you go. All right, well, we got some other calls lined up, Luann, so we'll have to oh, let you go. Yep, but we, no, but no, we I thank just you for checking to say in. great show. Thank you. All right. And uh, keep up the good work, guys. All right, take care. Bye-bye. All right, good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with John Zaffis. How are you doing? Good. I know the psychic maiden. 
Are you in St. Lucie Bornhouse? The census got like overflowed. I'm sorry? There's a psychic I know, right? Yep. And when you went to like different places like the Lizzie Bourne House, the Green Bay Cemetery, something like that, right? Mm -hmm. He said his senses were like overpowered. Oh, uh, just from so many spirits trying to yeah, make contact at once? See, I don't believe him though. And I don't know. He said when his sense overflowed, I didn't know what to think of that. Well, um, I work with a lot of psychics and mediums, and sometimes these people do have a lot of energy and a lot of spirits that can be trying to communicate with them, and they do basically get what they refer to as being overloaded. I mean, I'm no psychic, but when you're in really hot places, there's like this different film than outside or something like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people have that just that sensitivity. Yeah, I mean, it's not like I can see these things, it's just you can feel them. Well, I mean, a lot of people are, John, and I'm, I'm sure you've uh, you've heard of this too, a lot of people are just, they're sensitive to any kind of electromagnetic field, so if a spirit's trying to manifest and they increase the electromagnetic field around you, you know, then you start to feel that more, whether you're psychic or not. Absolutely. You just have that physical sensation. Yeah, that, I mean, I'm an amateur... I'm an amateur at this ghost hunting thing, right? Only started a few years ago. I have a few pictures. It's kind of creepy what you see. Well, everybody's an amateur. Yeah, but I mean, like, there's some people that get paid this. It's just a hobby. Yeah. I know what you mean. I mean, it's fun, though, I have to admit. I mean, it's like fishing. You never know what you're going to get. Exactly. Well, keep plugging away at it. We get some other calls here, so we're going to have to let you go. Bye. Thanks. I don't know. I guess everybody gets to say a plate on Saturdays, John. <laughs> Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast with John Zaffis. How you doing? Hi, I have a question for John Zaffis. Oh, boy, I recognize that boy. <laughs> you, you, I don't think you're going to pull one over on John, Keith. I want to know. No what way, it, Keith. You can pull that uh, after 30 years, buddy. Ah, uh, I was going <laughs> to ask what it's like to be a demonologist. How do you do it? You know, it's like. You still don't know, Keith? You've been doing it for a long time. <laughs> I know, but uh, sometimes you got to. You got to check with your colleagues too, you know. <laughs> uh, I, how you I doing, know. John? I, I I don't know, Keith. Our our world is something that I think all of us just try to figure out every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's like uh, it's it's hard to believe it's been that long, huh? Yeah. 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 What, what, what was the first time that you guys met and, and worked together? Can you remember? Oh, you're asking, Keith. Yeah. I can't well, remember. I don't, I don't yeah, that's true. I forgot who I was talking to. Yeah, he doesn't forget anything. Go ahead, Keith. Yeah. Well, I was uh, going back to the early 70s. <laughs> of course, like uh, 1974. And, of course, we got the connection with, uh, of course, uh, Uncle Ed there. And, you know, we worked together. And, uh, you know, we heard that his uh, nephew wanted to, was starting to get into it, too. And um, John was... Uh, Coincidentally, we started out the same way, going into like uh, abandoned old inns and houses and things like that. And of course, uh, John was going into the uh, Stratford, the old Stratford ma mansion, the Phillips mansion there in Stratford, Connecticut. And uh, that that was a really really spooky place, you know. And uh, you know, we started going out in this old abandoned buildings, and then we started getting into the the really really heavy stuff, you know, uh, in our later teens. And um, as the years went by. And so we we hooked up and realized, gee, we got a lot in common, you know. So 
that that's back when everybody thought we were crazy, though. Right, Keith? Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and what have you done to change their minds in the time since? If it wasn't for the media... And if it you know, wasn't for all the radio shows and everything, we probably still all would be classified as nuts or devil worshippers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. You see, John and I go back to the early 70s when there was no Internet. I mean, you really didn't hear that much about it on the media and you know, until the Amityville horror. That's what basically put it on the map. But, uh, you know, we were uh, pariahs. We were kind of, you know, really thought to be out there. And they're like, what do you do? What do you do? And you try to explain it, you know, and uh, just... After a while, you say, never mind, you know. So. Right, well. it's, it, it's, such, it's such a difference today. You know, like I, I keep saying, over the past two years, I mean, uh, Keith will even attest to this, how different it is. Yes. You know, it's not something where somebody looks at us now and goes, what? Yeah. It's now, tell me, tell me, tell me. So right. it, it's a totally different world now from, you know, way back when and... Uh, Keith, I was sharing with them how, you know, it, we all integrate, especially within the uh, demonology end of it. Several of us do. Yeah. You know, we go back and forth. We do talk about things. We do know what's happening with a lot of the groups and the escalation with cases and, you know, the the different things that are transpiring today in comparison to what used to happen that was so secretive. Yeah, yeah. You know, now it's it's much more out in the open than it was. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were like, back then people thought we were certifiable for what we did, you know, and we were tr- out there trying to help people who were going through this. And, uh, you know, that a lot of these people had nowhere else to turn to, absolutely nowhere else. You know, right, John? Absolutely. Well, yeah. speaking of uh, out there in the open, Keith, you've got a class coming up uh, next month here at South Coast Learning. We Suggest everybody goes to southcoastlearning.org to find out more. We're up against the news break here, so we're going to have to let you go. But we okay. definitely want to talk to you before that class. So All right. I'll great. get in touch. We'll do that. All right. Thanks, Keith. Have a good night. John, good luck. Take care, buddy. All right. Talk to you soon. And, uh, and John, uh, so you've got four C's coming up this Friday at Cape Cod Community College talking about uh, you know your, your collection of items and your investigative experience free of charge. I mean, how can anybody go wrong? Well, um, so far from what I've seen with the responses from people throughout the New England area, it should be a pretty full house. Absolutely. I mean, they do a great job there at Capers, and that's 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock at Cape Cod Community College. For more information, you can go to John's website, johnzaffis.com, or you can go to Capers' website, caiprs.com. And then, of course, the Hout Mansion on March 15th with Kristen Gartland and TAPSCon coming up later on in the summer, and hopefully we'll talk to you before that. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, John. Thanks okay, for joining thanks for having us. having me on. Take care, guys. Take care. See you Friday. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. And uh, just the slate lined up for, for Capers for this year is amazing. Uh, in addition to John's office this Friday night, uh, March 28th, they'll have uh, Bill Berry of Capers. will present Parallel Universes. Uh, then Renee Cruz in April. Jeff Belanger presents Weird Massachusetts on May 30th. On June 27th, Capers member Deborah Ahern presents Ghostly Photos, Fact or Fiction. July 25th, the guys from Ghostly Talk Radio will be there to talk about ghosts and radio. Does that work? Ghosts and radio together? I don't know if that works. Ghosts in the machine. August 22nd, Troy Taylor comes to talk about Confessions of a Ghost Hunter. September 26th, Rosemary Ellen Guiley presents Mystery of the Shadow People. Uh, Derek Bartlett, founder of Capers, presents his annual Haunted Cape Cod program on October 24th. No meeting in December, but then on December 19th, Nancy Jenkins will present Sleep, Dreams, and the Paranormal. So you can find out about all of these events on Capers' website, caiprs.com. 
and uh, we'll make sure that you know we're there for as many of them as, as we can get to because these people are are fascinating and you you never go in there and don't come out learning something so it's just it's it's a great chance to meet some of the foremost names in the paranormal field and i know derek and his group there have plenty more lined up so stay tuned to their website we're going to be back in just a few minutes after the news and we're going to skip the week and weird because we've got a very special event to talk to you about so we'll talk to you about that in just a few lost civilizations extraterrestrials myths and monsters missing persons magic and witchcraft unexplained phenomena for 58 years fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown fate is a factual magazine containing articles by experts in all walks of life and by others just like you who have had something dynamic significant and truthful to say keep up with the latest on all aspects of the paranormal angels and miracles psychic phenomena ghosts ufos and much much more to subscribe call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at fatemag.com that's 1-800-728-2730 or www.fatemag.com. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Are you ready? I am ready! I am always ready! I have been ready! I am ready! I can smell your I'm not afraid. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here. Silent Assassin Matt Costa to my right. Science Advisor Matt Moniz to my left. And uh, we just had a great conversation with John Zaffis and, and some guy calling in pretending not to be Keith Johnson. Uh, he can't pull the wool over anybody's eyes. I, he's a good actor from what I hear. I haven't seen him in any performances, but I understand he's a very good actor. But for some reason, these people just know him so well, he can't pull it off. He should have tried to pretend to be like six or seven years old. Because I was working with those other guys that called before, so whatever works. All right, well, we are going to talk uh, with a very special guest in just a minute. Uh, but before we do, uh, we're going to be telling you about a, a benefit coming up. But I want to mention our own little fundraiser first uh, because uh, we're running out of time to raise money. It's kind of my fault. I, I kind of slept on it a little bit. But uh, I, I guess I'm supposed to go to jail. I don't know. We did this last year, and we got out of it. We, we didn't actually have to ser- serve any time, Matt. I know that... Uh, not often that we get out of it. I know. Usually, you know, usually once we're bagged, we're done. Yeah. It's it's either bail or or hard time served. But apparently, uh, you got out of it somehow this year. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Yeah, I think I, can, I can run fast. I guess threw me under the bus. But uh, <laughs> we are raising money for the MDA lockup. Uh, if you go to our website, SpookySouthCoast.com, go to the message board. There's a little link there if you want to make a donation in the latest news section. We'll put a link up on the front page as well too. But they want us to raise was it something like eight hundred dollars so they can send a, a kid to camp during the summertime. So last year we raised uh, three something, Matt, about about around three hundred dollars. I think it was around four. Almost four, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or better than four. So then uh, maybe we should uh, try and double our efforts this year. Might as well. 
Yeah, I'll go for the gold. I'll go to jail for twice as long if I have to. So just go to SpookySouthCoast.com and you can make donations there. And uh, we'll keep putting out MySpace bulletins and everything as well. So we'll definitely make sure that uh, we give it as much exposure as we can. Also, our friend Candace, she's up to number 18 in the quest to become G4's next gamer girl. Go to our MySpace account, SpookySouthCoast.com slash MySpace. You'll see a link there to vote for her and help her move up to the top 10 because if she does, she's going to owe us like a PlayStation 3 or something. Oh, definitely. Once she works for, for G4. I'm at least something. At least some Robbie the Robot. Yeah. So she works at GameStop. So yeah. Robbie the Robot, I'll settle for that. All right. That takes care of all the uh, self-important plugs that we have to do. That's a required part of our show because you know we have to talk about ourselves at least a little bit to justify ourselves to our wives. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. We're, yeah, we're promoting ourselves. Don't worry. But uh, we want to talk to our guest, Roger Chenard, about uh, – said that right? Chenard? Yes, sir. About a special event coming up this Monday night at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. I'm go- I'm going to forever call it the Providence Civic Center. But it's always going to be that. Exactly. I mean, it, not that there isn't enough Dunkin' Donuts presence in the building, but it is the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, a great benefit coming up called Phoenix Rising, Munitions, Musicians United to Benefit the Victims of the Station Nightclub Fire. We're coming up on the, the fifth anniversary now uh, of this tragedy, and we talked about it last year. But it's it's something that I think that we need to just keep bringing up because for for what happened and for how much it affected this area, I mean, it's it's, it's something that's not going to go away. Yeah, and the thing is, it, it just didn't affect this area; it affected wor- worldwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to Europe. I, I played in local bands and stuff. And when I went to Europe, they actually it changed the the whole outlook of clubs. Um, to hang up a banner in a club, you have to have paperwork saying it, it's fireproof. That you know, everything has to be marked. It's it's pretty unbelievable, you know. Now what club owners have to do and what they have to afford and the, you know, stipulations that they have to endure. I mean, it was a, a great tragedy to have happen, but at least if there's that that came out of it, it, it'll make sure that this type of event doesn't happen again. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Now, you were supposed to be there that night. Yeah, I, I, we left for tour uh, the day afterwards, and my bass player's amp blew up for some reason and i'm an 80s fan i have a pretty good 80s background and i wanted to go down to the show the place was pretty small and it's always you know it was fun to see bands there mm-hmm. but um just things didn't happen and i ended up spending a bunch of money on somebody else's equipment but that's the story of my life and uh i was driving home and i heard that you know i didn't have it on hjy which you know that was the station that was covering it and mm-hmm. all that stuff and Got home and my mom was frantic and it was the time of no cell phones and you know and uh, just everything. You know, I my I had a pager at the time showing my age right now, but you know it was blowing up and I'm like, why is everybody calling me? And then when I did get home, you know, I checked it. And I had about 35 messages from people who I, we were going out on tour with and who we were going to see on the trip. And then uh, I found out a few people from Wareham. They did pass away. Uh, a local uh, Dr. Metal disc jockey also. Uh, a couple tattoo artists, friends of mine also. I mean, uh, I remember hearing about the show beforehand and, you know, uh, being we're Wareham guys too, so we yeah. knew that there was going to be quite a contingent going down there. Uh, Matt and I weren't really friends. We knew of each other back then, really, but we didn't know each other like we do now. But you, um, you were one of the people that were going to be going down. Uh, yeah, one of the guys that, uh, Dale Letalippi, uh, he was a very good friend of mine, and he wanted me to go with him. 
Now, unfortunately, as, and as Roger knows, I was a sound engineer at a particular club, and I had to work that night, and I, I, yeah. I, I was supposed to go with these guys. And uh, it was a group of several of them, and uh, like I said, they were all friends of mine. So I lost, like, about five friends in a yeah. matter of, you know, and it affected me deeply. And I, while I, while I was working at that club, I was, you know, distraught and i tried to do my own little fundraising uh roger helped out a little bit when i started mm -hmm. doing some of that and you know it, we all came together as a rock and roll community as best we could to try and help each other heal and i am applauding roger's efforts now for what he's doing definitely hats off to you brother I'm trying it, it's, it's funny too because actually dale's probably the reason i didn't go because, well, what, no, not like that. But when I heard him, you know, where I work, and he happened yeah. to be there that morning, and I heard him talking about it, and, you know, I asked, well, a lot of people from around here going. And when I started to realize, you know, how many people from just our area were going, I could just imagine, you know, how many people overall were trying to go because we're a good, you know, 30, 35, 40 minutes away. So I'm thinking, gee, if there's going to be that many people going, then I'm not going to have any chance of just walking up to the door and buying a ticket. So... That's why I didn't try to go because, you know, to me it was a chance to see a band that I thought, wow, that's a pr pretty good band to come to this area and play in a small club. Exactly. You know, I wasn't as familiar with just the kind of draw they were getting there and that they, you know, that these bands come around and, and play these locations. But, I mean, once everything went down and, and, and you heard about everything, and at what point did you just decide that you had to mobilize and do something, get people together to try to, benefit these victims because we all heard the stories in the news we heard about the Dadarian, we heard about everybody getting screwed over at what point did you say something's got to be done here well um i work with twisted sister i also worked with d on uh, van helsing's curse mm -hmm. which is his halloween trans-siberian orchestra um show and you know the past few years it's always come around and i guess me as a musician i kind of look at it both senses you know that band is will never play i guess above pennsylvania ever again you know and in a, in a sense it's just it it hurts on every everybody's community and the thing is it's just like you know i've lost a lot of people in my life you know but you know their, their lives ended it was their time mm -hmm. there was a hundred people there that had kids mothers fathers cousins neighbors you know workmates some you know every day and it just it shouldn't have happened especially when you consider you know, such a, um, I don't want to say it was minor, but f for the the whole reason that the whole event happened, I mean, the whole reason that the whole fire started, it was just something that was unnecessary. You know, when you think about it, when you walk into one of those type of places and you say, gee, do I need to use a flash can in this place? Is it going to make that much of a difference? Yeah, it's just, now you walk into a club, and that's, I, I, I still do. You walk into any establishment, you look for exits, yeah. boom, you know, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, any, I remember when I went to, uh, what was it? When we went to see Weird Al here at the Z, and it's one of the first things they yeah. start telling you when you walk in the door yeah. is where the exits are now. I mean, there's no, no Well, in the Zyterian, there's no shortage of exits. They're all over the building. But, yeah, Roger's right. Anytime you go into places, especially a lot of these bands now, that's one of the first things they do. They do a basic walk-around safety check. This was a wake-up call, basically, to a lot of... You know, clubs and a lot of bands. Yeah, I was in Germany a month after that, and so many regulations, so many every everything. You know, and it was just like a hundred people passed away, but millions of people had to change their whole outlook and you know the the nightlife to make it, to make it work. 
and it seems like there there must have been a lot of places in 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 the rock culture and, and in the hip hop culture. You know, people were saying to me when it happened, they said, "Well, that doesn't happen when we go to hip hop shows." Well, yeah, because you're not setting off you know flash cans for those shows. But that's this- not true. As a matter of fact, I believe it was no less than three weeks later, out in Chicago, a hip hop crowd had yeah. a uh, fire, and something very similar happened. But. That was my point. That it doesn't matter. These conditions exist, and all of these. It doesn't matter. You know, they could be putting on children's puppet theater. The problem is, if they're not up to code and they're not, you know, taking the precautions that they need to take, then it is. It's a fire trap. Exactly. So, with this event that's coming up, I mean, is the idea to? Are we still trying to help? You know, people that are recovering from injuries. Are we still trying to help them get the medical treatment they need? Are families still, you know, feeling the financial losses? I mean. Besides just the fact that everybody needs to get together and have these remembrances and these these healing process, I mean, where are you trying to put the money that goes into the the station victims fund? The the main thing is, you know, no matter how much money you get, you know, the loss will always be there. Mm -hmm. But you know, I, I, you know, the few people that I have talked to, I talked to a few of the guys today that that are in charge of it. They're so happy that I'm coming down there and this and that. And I told them, I was like, whatever you need me to do. Somebody tells me to go get coffee, I'll go get coffee. You know, just to make it that much easier. But uh, a lot of it, a lot of it is still going to the families. Um, there's there's people that, you know, still have you know burns over their entire body. Um, one, I talked to this one gentleman, and I can't recall his name, and he still collects money, and it's it's like a company or it's a foundation that everything it recreates skin, and what they do is. He just keeps on donating, donating money, donating money. So if somebody does go to the hospital and they need something from that foundation, it, it's already paid for. It's already paid for. Reconstructions, reconstructive surgery, just everything. Because the, I guess the guilty parties, the people involved, the people that should be, you know, giving the money for these type of things, they're just not doing it. No, they're, they're no. doing as much as they can to but, avoid blame. The thing is, I'm sure the guilty parties that I mean, they would like to contribute it, but they can't get away from being guilty. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm sure the grief and you know the harshness of everybody, you know, when they come, you know, they show up to something, they're probably not welcome whatsoever. Yeah, well, I mean, you know? I'll I'll give my opinion here, but Jack Russell to me is just a son of a bitch because, you know, here he is what was it four years later last year and and they've got this stuff up on their website about you know taking care of baby seals and making donations to save the seals it's like that's not the problem that you caused yeah it's not the problem that you're directly involved with you know whether you want to say it was your fault or whether it was the Darians, whether it was you know club management whoever was involved you know you have to make good for that and how dare you raise money i mean i'm all for saving baby seals but, you know, let somebody else that, – that sounds like it's somebody else's responsibility because, you know, you've got this other situation to worry about. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm uh, just guessing he's not on the guest list for Monday night. Probably not. No. Probably not. But uh, that would definitely help in some of the healing for some people too. Yeah, I heard a story. Um, one of the tattoo artists, uh, Scott, he worked at a I – can't, I can't remember recall his last name. He worked at Electric Inc. in Rhode Island, right in East Providence. And he did a bunch of my tattoos and stuff and – great guy star wars fan and you know he had his collection in his room it was it was cool he felt at home you know he he's one of the ones who passed away and he actually tattooed jack russell that day 
that day, and Jack got him on the guest list. I guess about four months ago, you know, he he sent a letter, like a you know apology letter to his wife. Mm-hmm. I said, listen, I'm never going to get tattooed again, and all this other stuff, and you know, because of the whole date was coming up. You know, his wife went down to a show, showed up, you know, and she she says, I accept your apology. And he, she's like, if you want to get tattooed again, that's fine. But just, you know, always have that remembrance of my husband that you did take from me. You, you know, he broke down, you know, and, and everybody has feelings. That's the one thing I'm sure those guys, they didn't want it to happen. But from my understanding, they played the night before in Maine, and they were told not to use that. They were told not to use that. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to the station. Yeah. But it was like a bond. Mm-hmm. It was like a barn in Middleborough that had a club in it, very dry wood, very, you know, it had two entrances, one right next to the stage and one around a corner, then into the parking lot. So it just wasn't set up for that situation. Well, at least the, the facility that you're having this concert at Monday is a little bit better. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, there's a ton of people there. We still have the uh, the Massachusetts bias up here. It's not the uh, it's not the TD Bank North Garden, but I love the Dunkin' Donuts Center for an event. It's a great place, especially yep. for concerts, because it is very small and intimate. Without it's got great acoustics. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for a, for a hockey arena, I mean, it does a great job of yep. of bringing everybody close without being you know dangerous. And the lineup that, that's coming up, tell everybody about the show and about exactly how it's being split up because it's it's two cr- different types of crowds coming together. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, I've been working with D and Troy, uh, D from Twisted and Troy from Tesla. And D's always busy. He's been on a bunch of different stations. And you've got to call in tonight. But <laughs> Keep your eye on the we'll VIP see. line there. <laughs> we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, D's going to be doing the announcing. And the separation, and uh, Rich from Rich and Big is also going to be there. He's going to do the whole country section. Um, I guess there's a country show there tonight. I'm not sure who it is. I think they've but got a they've got Carrie Underwood. Carrie Underwood yeah. tonight. So which is hopefully going to carry over some of the country crowd, and um, maybe we'll find a, a cowboy hat or something. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you've got Kelly Pickler. And she's another American Idol, you yep. know, country singer. So I mean, she brings a she brings a crowd. And I know Matt, you're a big Kelly Pickler fan. I am. Not of her music. <laughs> no, I, I couldn't tell you what. You don't know any of her songs, but you just like Kelly Pickler. And uh, and Gretchen Wilson, Randy Owen, Whiskey Falls. Uh, is it Derek Bentley? Is that how you pronounce it? I believe so. Not too. I'm not too up on country myself. Me either. It's more the rock guys that I know. And and. Let's see, just some of the names uh, in that. you got Tom Schultz of Boston, yep. Aaron Lewis from Stained, of course, Twisted Sister, Tesla, Kevin Mack, Striper, who, you know, Wareham guy there. Yeah, they're local. And uh, and just some of these other people that are coming. Uh, and they just added Brett Michaels and Winger. Really? Yeah. yeah that's. That, I mean, to get Brett Michaels now, he's at the peak of his, uh, yeah, his he's comeback. Doing, here, yeah, so. he's doing the reality show thing and. Now what's the what's the setup? Is everybody going to perform? Is yeah, pretty much it'll probably be a, a backline situation. Um, I talked to Troy and I talked to Todd today, and I'll be doing like Tekken for Twisted and you know wh- whoever needs me to do anything. Mm-hmm. But a lot like some of the guys like Common a piece of Slam, which is a few guys from New York City, and I believe um, he, they'll be doing like 
they'll, to, they'll have like I don't know if you guys ever seen Ringo Starr's orchestra. What they do is they yeah. have you know rock stars come out and they they yeah, play they rotate out. songs. Yeah. yeah, and that's pretty much what they'll do. You know, because I mean, just some of the names, especially local, like Gary Hoy, local guy. Yeah, I mean, and he's great, and I can just picture him sitting in with some of these other guys, and exactly. you're gonna get some some dream lineups going so, on. So here. you hear some Zeppelin stuff, I'm sure. You know, they'll they'll probably come out and you know, Twisted actually does a thing called Bent Brother, which is they come out and they do covers all night, which is a lot of fun. But a lot of people have to realize, like I worked for Twisted for I don't know two three years. You're not gonna see Twisted Sister again. You know, it's just like D's so busy, this and that. They only do festivals in Europe unless you're flying to Holland. It's like in Providence, Boston, East Coast, you're not going to see these guys. You know, they're doing the full makeup, the whole deal. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like to see it, you know. I'm even letting my guys off work. (laughs) Come see it. (laughs) I mean, it is. It's just a a special event. And I think that. When you bring these two crowds together, I mean, you're just going to have some people that are ready to have a, a good, rowdy time. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to be, you know, all for a good cause. Tickets are very reasonable, too. I, I was looking at the Ticketmaster site. Yeah, it's $41 and I think 61 But the thing is, a $41 ticket, you're going to see the same show as a $60 ticket. But the thing is, everything is going to a good cause. And, and the seats, if you're, if you're sitting in the back row farthest from the stage... The seat's not that much worse off than the guy that's sitting in the back row of the floor. I mean, everything's so close there, and it all works out so well. No matter what, wherever you sit, you're just going to have a good time. And just as an example, I went on, I went on uh, before we went on, and there's still some floor seats available, still some good stuff available. But you got to jump on that because they're not going to be around, you know, much longer. I, I think everybody should get on Ticketmaster and buy them ahead of time, and not take the chance of showing up at the door and being shut out. Yeah, because I talked to Todd um, this morning and asked him how tickets are going. And he was, he's like, it, it, it sounds steady now, but the thing is, two thirds of the sales last year was all walk ups. Yes. So it's just like, if you want to see the show, get there early, buy your tickets, just go down there and get them, you can walk right in. I hate standing in lines. <laughs> and they, they do a great job there, too, of just getting people in, too, so there's not going to yeah. be. You know, a whole bunch of the weather's bad, you know, don't worry about the weather being bad, definitely go down there. Yeah. And, and look for me if, you know, I'll. Bring everybody where they need to go. There you go. And now, will you uh, will you be wearing a shirt that says, you know, I'm Roger? No, no. Everybody <laughs> just knows you anyway. A few people, a few <laughs> people do. Well, when all these bands signed on for it, I mean, was it is this just a a bunch of guys that are friends anyway that they just call up their buddies and it's a matter of that, or is it a bunch of people that you know directly wanted to get involved with something related to the station fire? Or? It's pretty much both. Um, Troy from Tesla drummer. Um, I was talking to him and very down to earth guy. You know, he's you know, when we first started talking to him I told him, you know, my background and everything like that and he he's like, you know, if I want to work with you this is what I need to know. And, you know, we were just talking and he's like, you know, I talked to D and the thing is in a whole in the whole music community, it's pretty small. It's pretty small. Everybody's been screwed over by the same manager. Everybody <laughs> gets booked by the same production people and one way or another, you play different shows. You know, the United States is only so big. So it's like, you know, you're playing, and all of a sudden, you'll pull up to a venue, and, and you know, and whenever I did tours, we toured in vans, and the bus thing wasn't, you know, Apple, you know, capable for us to do it because it was so expensive. But we'd pull up, and I'd see friends, and I'm like, you guys playing today? It's like, yeah. So the thing is, when these guys play Europe, you know, they have festivals like this all the time over in Europe. You know, and thing is, you know, they have 
hundreds and 200, 300,000 people come to these things. You know, the whole show's an ice cream. That's why I, it's kind of the way I put it. And uh, all the bands are just like the little jimmies put all over it. So, you know, they go in there to just be a part of the show. It, just to be a part of the show. I mean, we could do a whole other uh, episode of a show of just about the difference between how much the European audiences appreciate the rock that they're getting and exactly how and American audiences just. Uh, well, the thing is, you know, look at Woodstock a couple of years ago, the big fire and mm-hmm. you know that big mess. Well, it shows that you know they can't have that type of thing over here. But you know what's happening on Monday is what happens over there all the time. You know, it's like take advantage of it. You know, promoters will do this do more shows like this if people show up and if anybody wants to find out anything more we're going to take a break here but when we come back we'll talk more with roger we'll take some of your calls i mean maybe maybe people have been affected by this tragedy they want to share Uh, maybe people want to you know just call in and ask some questions and find out more the numbers are 508-996-0500-508-291-0500 for wareham and the cape and if you'd like more information you can go to ticketmaster.com to find out about purchasing tickets and uh, you can go to stationfamilyfund.org for more information about the fund and about the tragedy itself. So we'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. Don't look now, but Spooky South Coast is creeping up behind you right after this. studios of AM 1420 WBSF into the night and beyond. Here's more of Spooky South Coast. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here with Matt Costa and Matt Moniz alongside. And that was the unofficial anthem of Phoenix Rising, Musicians United to Benefit. I'm going to say musicians right, Kurt. There we go. Musicians United to Benefit the Victims of the Station Nightclub Fire. Uh, This charity event marks the fifth anniversary of the Station Nightclub tragedy in Rhode Island, the fourth largest nightclub fire in U.S. history. 100 lives were lost, 200 others were seriously injured, and 65 children lost one or both parents. Five years later, funds available for the survivors are woefully inadequate. Only 15 survivors of the fire qualified for Social Security benefits, and many are still unable to meet their monthly needs. So this event is going to benefit all those affected by the tragedy. We have Roger Gennard, who is... The proprietor of Sinners and Saints Tattoo in Wareham as well. And I mean, I think everybody around here must have gotten at least one of their tattoos at Sinners and Saints. I'm trying. I'm trying to market that system, but. But even, even Jewish people go there for tattoos, which is against their religion, but they still <laughs> go there and, and get them done. But it's a, it's a great shop. I was in there today talking to you, and, and you just have an A1 reputation uh, in that realm. Thanks. As well as everything else that you're involved in. And to be involved in something like this, of course, is is got to be at least a little bit cathartic for you. Yeah, it's nice. You know, when I when D did contact me, and I didn't even hesitate, and, you know, all the guys at work and j- just everything. You know, I I don't mind taking my time out for, for other people. I never, you know, I never thought twice of it i was like yep you let me know what you need and you know my number was handed out to a number of people and i'll be down there working my butt off tomorrow morning <laughs> oh and like you said you know you'll even run around and get coffee if that's what it takes yeah and- yeah i guess tomorrow i think i'm picking up people from the airport which should be uh pretty interesting i'm gonna be that guy standing there with a little a little, little cardboard <laughs> thing i've done a lot of things and this will be the first time i've ever done that 
Now, uh, and we were... Actually, no, it hasn't. Remember, you used to work with me as a courier. Oh, yes. Yeah. This, is, this is the second time. Well, uh, we, we were talking a bit before about how the how the show is going to work and, and some of these acts that are going to play together. But, I mean, you're looking at what? It start, you said it starts about 6 o'clock? Yeah. So you're looking at you know four or five plus hours of, of music. Yeah. For, for a $41, $61 ticket, I mean, it's definitely... Even if it wasn't a benefit, I mean this this type of concert you couldn't you couldn't touch it. It's, it's it's way too good of a deal. It's way too good of a night to get out there, and you know the fact that you're helping people at the same time only makes it that much better. And I think everybody in this area, everybody that can hear our voices right now, has has had somebody affected by this. So I mean, Ticketmaster.com, get on there right now and and start buying up those tickets before they're gone. But it, it does help when you can bring some of these acts in too that are. You know they're very prolific. They're they're legends. I mean, Winger for all the all the crap they took from Beavis and Butthead. You know they're oh, still yeah. a great band. Yeah, they rocked Rod Wilkinson, Red Beach. You know, great musicians. But for its time, though, you know, mm-hmm. at, at all music for its time. You know, at one time everything's huge, and then two years later everybody's making fun of it. But, that's just yeah. That's how it goes with everything. Though, go, but, but go back and look at your tape collection. You know? <laughs> I, still, I still got them. If, <laughs> So many of these bands have so many of these bands have been able to evolve though and, and stay with the times and you know w- when you get a, a band like Twisted Sister back together for an event like this I mean it's the nostalgia value yeah. and something like that but look at Striper I mean they're a band that went their separate ways for a while and you know Mike went on with his own separate career his own solo stuff and and now they're back together and you know the, their audience is there they're making new music and they're making that connection again and it's just. It's a ch- and you know we already talked before about Brett Michaels. I mean, the guys in the stratosphere right now. Yeah, he's trying the, to get a date. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I can just imagine what it must be like to be him. I mean, the poor guy. Yeah, it all must those be terrible. Yeah, exactly. And all the think of all the women that didn't make it on the show that are sitting at home wishing that they were on the show. Oh so. yeah, the tryouts must have been a riot. Yeah, if I'm him, there's going to be at least a ten up a ten season deal for me. I'll, I'll I'll find a new girlfriend every season. Exactly. Exactly. But, I mean, these are people that, you know, when they come together like this, it's just, it's mega stars. Yep. Uh, can you remember, you know, have you seen any of these bands as, as a fan, aside from working with them and working for them? Have you seen any of these acts as a fan? Um, Tesla, I saw in Boston at the Roxy. Uh, Collective Soul opened up for them. Um, I've always been a part of it. My, my uncle played for Billy Squire. So there's not too many shows that I've actually, like, paid to get in. I can pretty much weasel into anything if I just shoot my name around uh, somebody else's. But uh, I'm always a fan. I'm always. A fan. I worked for Twisted out in Long Island. It was Twisted, Wasp, Stephen P.S.C., L.A. Guns, Metal Church, and like two other bands. And I did. I, that's, I worked, a, that's a big show in itself. Yeah. Well, Twisted played out with White Snake out in Ohio, and you know I. I was, you know, I got the call from AJ, and he's just like, "Hey, can you set up my drums?" They just dropped them off. Well, look, they dropped them out of a dump truck. They're just all everywhere. I couldn't believe it. And I was so wanted to watch the show. And um, the drummer, LA Guns, Stephen Riley, came over and he goes, "Hey, man, you want some help?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." And then I was kind of a fan. I was just like, "Wow, Steve Riley's like helping me set up drums," you know, and that was cool. But then when I was talking to Troy on the phone. You know, I tried to be the most professional person I could. And then at the end, I'm like, all right, I need to do this. I was like, that first record you guys did was rocking. That Mechanical Resonance, Modern Day Cowboy, that first opening. I'm like, that first cymbal hit, it's the way to go. And it was fun. It was fun. Those guys 
hopefully they enjoy hearing that. Oh, I'm sure they yeah. do. I mean, how could you not to know that what you've done has affected somebody? I mean, you know, we just do this little this little show here, and we hear people call up and say, you know, it really helped me be able to talk about some of the experiences that I've had to, yeah. you know, listen to other people. And you say, it's nice that, you know, what you can do can have an effect on somebody else's life. Exactly. Now, i, I got to ask you this because you're tied into it more than more than I am, but what is it about Wareham? Why is Wareham like this mecca for, for you know, rock stars? I mean, we've got Mike lives there, and, and, and Stead Holland was living there. I don't know if he still is, but... Yeah, no, he's, a, uh, no, he's, he's in, in Florida. Florida, yeah. But, I mean, it just it draws the it draws the crowd. It's the water. What about Travaz? <laughs> yeah. Travaz actually yeah. started there. Yeah, well, you, for, you don't want to give him the water. I don't know if you've been reading the newspapers, <laughs> but... For, <laughs> you go through uh, periods of time where you can't drink that stuff. You know what? Everybody has to live somewhere. Bothers to it. It seems like it's 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 a good community for it in in Wareham and in that area. You know, it's right. a, it it's a beach town. You know, what I mean, it it is a cool town. You know, no matter how much you complain about your hometown, you know where everything is and just everything. And it just, I guess, you notice things because people do come out of that area. Mm-hmm. But people come out of every area. You know, there are Gina Davis. She's from that area. She won't tell anybody that anymore. But no, no, <laughs> but um. Yeah, no more Fourth of July parades for her. No, but, uh, <laughs> one and done. <laughs> but, but you know, just just everything. You you do have to live somewhere. Is there? But wouldn't you think that there'd be more of a of an up and coming, a new wave of some of these bands coming out of this area? I mean, there's there's some there's some that have been very successful in this area, but it's just it's not. You know, I remember ten years ago there was so many more rock bands coming up around here. Yeah, there's more places to play. Mm-hmm. You know, but the thing is with the whole internet thing and that whole wave you know it is it is easy to get your music out there but um things are expensive putting gas in the van dedication getting five guys that you can get along with for a weekend never mind months you know and being in a band is tough and you know and then when you see bands like twisted sister that it's been around for 20 years same thing with you know tesla and striper and all this other stuff you know it shows its dedication and just everything but um you know, the thing is with music, you need to set your goals. And just like with anything, if you set your goals low, they're easy to reach. That's what I always say, especially with me with music. You know, I remember when I put out my first tape. That was I was like, oh my god, I got a tape. Then the CD came in, you know, and it was just like those those were my goals. Now I have this little box at my house that I, in seventh grade I wrote TS on it, Twisted Sister, unbelievable. And here I get phone calls and emails from the I guys. got a picture of you in seventh grade. I've got those old yearbooks. Somebody's at the door. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing with music, you know. It, it It is. I was just kidding. <laughs> you know, it is what you make of it, you know. If you give up on music, music gives up on you. It, it seems like, though, I mean, f- for the longest time, Boston in this area was just a cornerstone yeah. of rock, especially in the 70s. I mean, and, and you know, Tom... Is is a prime example of that, what he was able to do with Boston, and it's just, it's just down. I mean, it, rock in general seems to be down. It's not what it once was. It's not as prolific on the radio as it once was, and it it's it's sad. I mean, we were talking earlier today about, God forbid, I say these words on these airwaves, satellite radio. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much the only place you can hear the stuff that we like to listen to anymore. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, thank God for iPods, but I mean, even then, we're stealing all the music off the internet because we you know we. We don't support the bands like we're supposed to. Yeah, you're not supposed to go over 65 either. That's against the law. That's true. 
You know, and I, I don't care if Lars wants to sue me. I, I've illegally downloaded Metallica music before. Yeah. And, and I do it. I don't even want to listen to it most of the time. I just, I, I put it on there just so that I can download it just to piss them off. Exactly. Exactly. He's going to come to your house and beat you with a tennis racket. <laughs> <laughs> He's too good. I don't want to get beat by a tennis racket. Uh, an interesting story. I don't know if I've, if I've told these guys before, but uh, I know I've told Matt before, but I actually once got a letter threatening to be sued by Dr. Dre. Because uh, I downloaded some of his music on Napster, which I didn't even download. My sister did on my Napster account, but I got this like cease and desist letter from Dr. Dre's management saying, stop downloading this music or there'll be a, a class action lawsuit filed in 4th District Court of Wareham. And I was like, mm. I almost just did it just to see if it would actually follow up. Exactly. You know? Probably cost them more to fly out here than... Exactly. I mean, what are they going to get off you, really, to be honest with you? Yeah, I'll... I'll I'll pay for an album. I'll give him an album. Yeah, here's an 13 bucks. Yeah. Downloaded 13 songs. <laughs> and the last album wasn't really worth it, Dr. Jerry. Sorry to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I want twelve ninety nine of that yeah, money. As back. a bullet comes through the window. Yeah. <laughs> of course he's got guns. <laughs> what do you think? He sold them all? <laughs> but anyway, I, mean, I don't want to get too off the topic here. But it's in for country fans, and there's a number of those in this area. I mean, uh, pff, we got to deal with them every day. We. You and I can't stand country music. I didn't really believe that there was that many country fans around here. Oh, it's, it's ridiculous. There's tons of country yeah. fans. And I'm glad they like the music. I just don't personally. But uh, that's that's I'm talking about the, the pop country, you know, the the people like uh, that that could be, you know, pop singers, but instead just go with the country market. You know, yeah. you know the type I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you got some actual real country rock people here. I mean, Gretchen Wilson, I'm, I'm afraid of her. That's, you know, that's she's a redneck woman and. I'm afraid of her, but I mean, a lot of these people that are that are coming there, and I can just imagine what might happen if you put like a Gretchen Wilson on stage with like a Gary Hoy, you know, and you start putting some of these people together across. And I know that they're trying to separate it into a country and a rock portion, but there's going to be some of the stuff. It's going to be unbelievable. Is there going to be any kind of recording made of this event? That I'm very unsure of. Um, I'm sure they're going to do something. In, in this day and age, you know, the, I love live music. I'm talking legal you know? recordings, by the way. Oh, yeah. no, I know. Yeah. I know. Um, if not, it should have been brought up, you know. Um, somebody should put it out and have the proceeds go. I'm sure they'll have T-shirts there mm-hmm. tomorrow. I urge everybody to pick up shirts and um, you know, just in remembrance. I guess there is going to be a vehicle there out front. Um uh, a gentleman restored one of the cars that was burnt, and he, pr- I think he put about forty or fifty thousand dollars just to restore this vehicle, and he had all the families sign their na- uh, people's names that were lost in the fire, and that's going to be out in front of the civic center. Yeah, that's definitely something people want to check out. Yeah. Um, but I thought I heard something. It might have been in the the newspaper story. Um, that my colleague Mike Rocha put together, but I thought I heard something about VH1 was going to be taping it for for air. Yeah, um, actually, who did I talk to? I I think I talked to one of D's managers, and he is bringing a VH1 crew, and I think he, they're going to do more of a behind the scene mm-hmm. thing also. But at least there'll be some record of this of this event. But yeah, so I got to wear something that makes me look thin. <laughs> <laughs> That means you have to wear a spooky South Coast shirt in case you accidentally get into any of the shots. You know me in cameras. Yeah, I, I know you in 
pushing Spooky South Coast, too. This guy, it's the only day he doesn't wear a Spooky South Coast shirt, but appropriately he wears an Iron Maiden shirt. So exactly. He's, uh, he always fits in. But it, it, I think, you know, this is the type of thing that people are going to talk about for years to come. I mean, it's going to be something that everybody remembers. It's going to be something that people, even even if the concert sucked, and there's no way that that's possible, but even if it was the worst concert ever, the fact that all these people are coming together, remembering what happened, helping to benefit the families, I mean, that alone is going to give everybody a, a good feeling when they leave. Yeah, you know, it's just a sad thing that it takes something like this for bands and people to go out and see live music. Uh, don't you think we... I just wish we could be doing this like to promote literacy here. You know, just not, anything. You know, don't just litter. Anything. I just lost a great friend of mine of leukemia. You know, just every. You know, th- there's fundraisers for everything. You mm-hmm. know, and it's just when when people do lose people, you realize that things need. If you can do something for somebody, then just do it. You know, don't hesitate. I'm sure there'll be uh, cans and donation buckets all around. So whoever buys a hot dog and has 35 cents left over. Make sure you throw it in the bucket because it's just going to end up in the floor of your car or somewhere thrown at your house later on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it can all be used and every little bit helps and it can all be added up. And for all you know, you know, that spare chains that, that you threw in there is somebody's skin graph. Exactly. You know, or, or, you know, a rent check for somebody that, that still can't work. Um, you know, five years removed from this event, it's just there, there's still so much that needs to be done. And so much that isn't getting done by the people, the responsible parties that we talked about before. But at least the people who are involved, the folks who lost someone, the folks who are affected by it, can still band together and can still, you know, talk. And we were talking about it at the newspaper the other night when I was working. It's, it's like, okay, here comes the anniversary of it. Let's roll out a bunch of stories, you know, related to it. But for everybody else that's involved in it, it's not a once-a-year thing. It's an everyday thing. Yep. And... The fact that, you know, once a year we can get people together to do something about it. The Station Family Fund, you know, the um, stationfamilyfund.org, it's on. It's open every day. They'll take donations any day. And so maybe you can't get out to the show. Maybe, you know, you're financially constrained, but you can, you know, send them a check a couple weeks from now. Exactly. Just maybe you're going to have a fundraiser, something going on. You want to give money to a good cause. That's what we did last year with our, our birthday party. You know, we had it in March, but... We gave the check to them. I mean, it was what little we could raise, but, I mean, like I said, every little bit helps. It's just I know our listeners. I know the people that listen to this show, not just in this area but worldwide, and I know what type of people they are. I know how they'll, just like any of us, they'll give anything to help anybody. So uh, hopefully if they're listening and they can be inclined to make some sort of donation, you can either email you can email Todd directly at Todd at stationfamilyfund.org. Uh, you can go to their website, stationfamilyfund.org. If you're in the area, you know, go to go to Sinners and Saints. Talk to Roger. Drop off a check there for him. Yeah, he'll make sure it gets to the right people. And uh, while you're there, get a get a tattoo too, or a t-shirt, or piercings, or a uh, button. I saw you guys were running a deal on piercings last week. So. Oh, we run them every day. <laughs> there you go. It works though. Hey. It works. You know. And and uh, you guys have a website too, I assume. Uh, Sinners and Saints Tattoo dot com. And you're on MySpace as well. Yeah, uh, the MySpace slash Sinners and Saints Inc. I N K. So I believe that's it. And it's linked up to ours if anybody has trouble yep. finding it. So you can you can check them out. Just before we go, I mean, is there is there something else that you think needs to be done 
is there something that you know still needs to be addressed when it comes to this? I mean, you, you're in these clubs, you see what's going on. Is there anything that concerns you going forward about these places where bands play? Uh, I mean, I know they're getting rid of some of that asbestos, a lot of the the non-fireproof soundproofing. I mean, what else do you need to see more of? More exits for sure. Uh, the main thing is uh, the sad thing is is when you know bands do go and play when whenever i tour if i'm working for somebody or from playing drums y- you play slummy places because it's the only places that do allow these type of things mm-hmm. um you know when they play rhode island in a living room i don't know if anybody's ever been there it's a slum i saw the biggest rat i've ever seen walk in the place and walk out and leave because that's how gross it is <laughs> the rats won't even stay. <laughs> we just looked at each other and was like, "Yeah, this is that good. that dude had the right idea right there." But um, you know, the main thing is going to see a live band. I always tell people if you have a chance to go see a live band, go do it because you never know when you're going to see them again. You know, I played in a band called Drained and I played in a band called Closer Than Kin, and both bands were big for about five minutes. And you know, I still have people. Like thrilled as soon as they see them, they're like, "Oh my God, you, you were you with this, you with that." Thank you. I'm glad you took the chance to go and see it. But that's the main thing is you, you get a chance, and then here we are Saturday night. You have Striper, the Yellow and Black Attack. You got Twisted Sister, D. You know, I don't, whoever said D was metal, they're, they're just wrong. Twisted Sister's not metal; they're more rock and roll. But you have a chance to go see all these bands for forty bucks. It's about three, four dollars. You know, you probably pay more for parking than you will for the ticket. Yeah. You know, but the thing is, it does go to somebody. But if, you know, that's the thing. You go to a club, just go and enjoy yourself. You know, look out for look out for the other person, not not just yourself. And uh, a lot of things could have happened differently in this tragedy. You know, I, I heard some pretty bad stories, and a lot of people could have been saved. But um, I guess, you know, at that stricken panic time, no one thinks the right way. But if you're ever in a panic, always look around. Don't run. Just make sure you know where you're going and look for the other person. And like we said earlier in the show, I mean, that is the, the one good thing that can come out of this is at least, you know, changes have been made. People are more aware. Uh, and it's just it's something that, you know, it, it doesn't just apply to going out to see a rock show in a small club. I mean, whenever you're in these type of situations, look what happened to The Who. I mean, they're playing in front of 25,000 people. And people get trampled to death uh, because it's just it's panic. It's you know it's, it's not handled right, and it's got to be handled better on their end. But everybody, like you said, it's up to themselves to to know what's going on. So that'll be Monday night, uh, six p.m. You said is the start time. Yes, and it's at the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence. You can get tickets from Ticketmaster.com. Although hopefully now maybe maybe they're all sold out by the time we're done talking about it, but. I'm sure there's still a chance for you to get in, so definitely go to Ticketmaster.com. $41 and $61 are the prices. And if you want to find out more about the Station Family Fund, stationfamilyfund.org is the website to go to. But, again, Tom Schultz, the boss, and Aaron Lou Sustain, Twisted Sister, Tesla, Striper, Winger, Brett Michaels. Maybe I'll even bring some of the girls from the show, for crying out loud. You know, I'll go see that, that's for sure. Now they're pretty haggard this, this episode. <laughs> My wife watches it religiously, and I walked out, and I'm like, you know, some of those girls, he's just... I like his house. Yeah, he's just picking them because he has to pick them. Yeah. You know, you know, if he was just Brett Michaels out there on the street, he could do a lot better. But, uh, hey, you know, maybe he'll tell us all about it. 
So definitely make sure you check out the event. And uh, even if you can't, make sure you make some sort of donation to the Station Family Fund and help remember on the fifth anniversary of that tragedy. So that about wraps it up for this week. Next week, we're going to talk about UFOs with Steve Bassett of the Paradigm Research Society. Let me make sure I get his, the name of his group right here. It is the uh, Paradigm Research Group. And he's also the organizer of the X Conference coming up April 18th to the 20th, just outside Washington, D.C. That's going to be a big one for UFO enthusiasts. I mean, even George Norrie's coming out to this one. So it's going to be big. So stay tuned to next week's show. We'll talk more about that. And then don't forget John Zaffis this Friday night at the Cape Cod Community College, free of charge. You get to see the godfather of the paranormal in person. And, of course, he'll have a question and answer period, a meet and greet period. Uh, you can bring him your haunts and items to donate to his museum. I'm sure he'll love the ride home with those in the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll also be joining Kristen Gartland of TAPS at the Houghton Mansion on March 15th. You, to find out more about that, you can go to idealeventmanage.com. So there you go. whole bunch of stuff going on. Definitely no reason to just stay home. You know, the weather's going to be good. Get out there. Make some donations to the Station Family Fund and learn a little bit about the paranormal, not at the same time. <laughs> so for Matt Moniz, for Matt Costa, and for all our guests tonight, I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you all to stay spooktacular. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to.